Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Well, today we are going to look at one more enemy. We have been really mowing these enemies down. There were six enemies that we have uh, decided that we were going to look at from Exodus chapter 3. In this series, Defeating the Enemies of the Soul, today we're continuing in the sixth part of our Defeating the Enemies of the Soul, okay? And uh, this morning, I want you to turn, if you would, in your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 2, Defeating the Enemies of the Soul. Genesis chapter two. Okay. Are you ready? All right. This is the story in Genesis two about God having created Adam in the garden and all of the, all of the other animals and all of the trees. And then God looked around one day and after he had created everything, he said, it is good. And then all of a sudden he saw something that wasn't good. It wasn't good because man was alone. God never intended for his relationship with us to take the place of our relationship with each other. Our relationship with each other is important to God. Genesis 2, verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man. (laughs) Because she was taken out of man. You see, God created Adam and saw that Adam needed something else. And so he created this woman and he placed the man and the woman in a garden of Eden and God gave them guidelines. The original five commandments that God gave to Adam and Eve This original five commandments said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with people just like you. And then I want you to make sure that you subdue all of your enemies, that you subdue the earth. Why in the world would God tell them to subdue something? Because God knew that they were going to face some enemies. Even in a perfect world, you're going to face some enemies of life. And then he told them, then I want you to have dominion over everything I've created. While it seems strange to us that God may have created man and woman and put them in a perfect environment and yet gave them guidelines, things he wanted them to do, but also some things that he told them they could not do. He also told them that you cannot eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. You see, even in a perfect world, there are some do's and some don'ts. Some people imagine that if they lived in a perfect world without sin, they would be without any guidelines. Some people imagine now that they are free and that they're either in Christ or that God, there isn't a God. It's a perfect world for me and I can do anything I want. Well, no, you can't. It has never been that people can do anything they want. It has never been that way. Not since the day that God created the heavens and the earth. God has not allowed mankind or any of his creation to do just anything they wanted under the umbrella of I'm free and that's what I want. You see, the Bible tells us that 
God gave them instructions. But there was a subtle serpent in the garden. I do not know why God allowed the devil to be on the earth with Adam and Eve. I don't know why. I can't tell you why, but I can tell you that I do know that he was there. I can tell you that this subtle serpent, he, he snuck in unaware. He deceived. He, he, he was a sneaky snake. He was this, this, uh, this uh, master evil spirit. This same master evil spirit that is behind all of our enemies was the enemy of Adam and Eve, even in the Garden of Eden. And that's why God said that you subdue and you have dominion. You see, God created man able to handle that dirty devil. God did not expect, God did not want, God's hope was not that mankind would fall to the temptations of this deceiver. It was God who created man able to handle the temptations of life. Adam and Eve were created perfect by the hand of God. They were created able not to sin. They were not, they, they, they were not created unable to sin, neither was Jesus. Jesus was not unable to sin. He was just able not to sin. Adam and Eve had that same strength in their life. They were able not to sin. But that dirty devil, he knew that they were supposed to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He knew that they were, they were called by God to subdue and to have dominion over everything. But yet that sneaky serpent, he slid up into the garden and he found Eve here by herself. And he never asked her to eat of this forbidden fruit. This sneaky snake just showed Eve something that she wanted. What did she want? She wants what everyone wants, a better life. She wanted a better life. God wanted a better life. That's why he created children. We want a better life today. That's why we do a lot of the things that we do. And a lot of it's okay with God up until the point to where your better life takes you outside of the will of God. Up to the point to where getting a better life means that you have to lie and cheat and steal and disobey and disregard God. Because then it becomes an issue like it was with Eve. All she wanted was a better life. All she wanted was something that she thought was best. He showed her something she wanted. You know, that same dirty devil is a loose alive and doing well on planet earth today. Genesis 3. By the time we get to Genesis 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave it to her husband with her and he ate. Wow. She went for it. She saw, she saw something she wanted. She desired it. it. It'll make me wise. It's good for me. It's not bad for me. I, I, I want it. How could it be bad if I want it? And she ate and she gave it to her stupid husband and he ate it too. <laughs> then God showed up. The reason Adam ate it is because there was something there he wanted too. He wanted a happy woman. So, I better be real careful. <laughs> so God shows up in the garden and, and they're sowed fig leaves. Listen, you know, 
learn to sow or stay naked. I don't know what you're going to do, but they learned to sow. They sowed, sowed some fig leaves and, the, and they got, and so then uh, uh, they were hiding and God said, why are you hiding? They said, well, God said, did you eat? Yeah, we ate. Well, why in the world did you do that? Verse 13. And the Lord said to the woman, why is, or what is this you have done? And the woman said, it was the serpent. It was the serpent. Wasn't me. It was the serpent. The serpent deceived me, and that's why I ate. Not my fault. Well, God said, okay, because you did this, you know, and it goes on through the scenario. We get down to verse 20, and the Bible, after God had told him, okay, now, you know, you're finished with the hunting and fishing. You're going to have to, you know, start working. And, uh, and so, you know, you're going to have children now in pain, and, you know, and all, all those. We get to verse 20. The Bible says, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Now, before we go further into this study of our next enemy, I feel it is very prudent to affirm to you that we are not focusing on women either having a problem or being a problem today, okay? Please don't go there. That won't make any of us any mileage, all right? We are reading about Eve this morning not because she is a woman, but because she was the very first person in the Bible to be tempted to sin. She was the very first person that God reveals to us the nature of temptation and the nature of seeing something that you want. She could have been a man, could have been a, man, could have been a woman, whatever. But we're not looking at her because she's a woman, but because she represents this temptation, this desire for something that we want that may pull us out of the will of God to get it. I know we have our reasons, but it's important that we understand that there are enemies in this land. You can read of those enemies that we've been studying in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 8. But suffice it to say that Satan was on the earth when Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden. Satan is the person and the personification. He embodies every evil trait that we know as temptation. Okay? The spiritual enemies that Adam and Eve faced in the Garden ended up being the same natural enemies that the children of Israel faced in this world, and they end up being the same spiritual enemies that we face in our walk with Christ today. We face the very same enemies, the very same temptations that Adam and Eve faced in the Garden of Eden. Those were spiritual temptations. Then the children of Israel faced natural temptations and natural enemies, and we now again face spiritual enemies. You see, when Eve doubted God and disobeyed him, Adam and Eve were born again. They were born again from being spiritual beings to becoming natural beings. They were born again from life unto death. They were born again from sin unto unrighteousness and wickedness. They were born again. They were the very first born again children of God. They were just children before they were born again, and they were born again to become children of the world. 
And everyone that was born of Eve, the mother of all living, became born into this world as a child of this world, as a child of sin. And today, by the blood of Jesus Christ, Jesus doing what Adam and Eve could not do and what none of us could do to defeat sin in the flesh, Jesus defeated it in the flesh and now by his blood we can be born again from the natural into the spiritual. But we still face the enemies, the same enemies that Adam and Eve faced in a perfect world when they were perfect before God. Spiritual enemies. God's hope is that we will not allow the temptations of this devil to influence us, dominate, control, and destroy our lives. Today, just like Adam and Eve in the very beginning before they fell, today, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this world who are in this world. We are in a spiritual warfare. And the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. They are not natural. They are not fleshly. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, as the Apostle Paul told us in Ephesians. You see, we're in a spiritual warfare. And the greatest war we are facing is a war in our minds. It's the same war that Eve faced. It was a war, that battle, that wrestling with what I want versus what God wants for me. What I want versus what, what I think is best versus what God thinks is best. And the devil is doing his best to deceive, constantly deceive and constantly deceive. And we're wrestling and struggling and we're casting down imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And we're bringing our thoughts into captivity because we are in a spiritual warfare facing the same enemies that Adam and Eve faced in the garden. Does that make sense? Once again, it's important to note that the Old Testament accounts of the children of God and them fighting their enemies is a roadmap for us today. It's not just a historical account, but the Old Testament is a roadmap for us. God shows us our spiritual enemies in natural form. He identifies them and he gives us not only their names, but he also shows us through scripture their natures and what they're capable of and what they're trying to do. That's the reason God kept this account is so that we can know what we are facing. And today, this morning, we are talking about the, the fifth enemy, this Hivite, the Hivite. The Hivite. Everybody say the Hivite. There is a certain nature of this enemy that the children of Israel faced that we face from temptations today. Joshua chapter 9 tells us about this Hivite. I'm going to ask you to please bear with me. I may read a number of scriptures this morning, okay? Normally, if you read more than about three verses at a time, uh, people begin to, you know, drift off, okay? But these scriptures tell the story so well. Follow along with me if you would, okay? We're talking about the Hivite. We're in Joshua chapter nine. The Bible says in verse one, and it came to pass when all the kings who were on this side of the Jordan in the hills and, and in the lowland and all of the coast of all the great sea towards Lebanon, 
These enemies were the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. These are these six enemies we've been talking about. Today we're talking about this Hivite, okay? All of these enemies, verse 2 says, they gathered together to fight against Joshua and Israel in one accord. They thought if they all got together, they could defeat the children of Israel. Well, verse 3 tells us, but when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily. They did something different. Now, Gibeon was one of the five capital cities of the land of Canaan. It was a large city, a well-known city, a well-fortified city, okay? And these Gibeonites, when they heard what Joshua and the children of Israel had done to the enemies at Jericho and how God had brought down Ai, all of a sudden they said, my goodness, we're not going to be able to defeat them. So they began to work craftily and they went and pretended to be ambassadors and they took old sacks on their donkeys um, and old wineskins torn and mended old and patched sandals on their feet and old garments on themselves and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. You getting the picture? They're trying to look like somebody they're not. They're putting on old clothes. They got old bread. They got old sacks of wine. They got, you know, and they're, and they're, and they're, they're going to pretend here uh, that, that they, they come from a long way. And so uh, the Bible says in verse six, And they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal. And they said to Joshua and to the men of Israel, we have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make covenant with us. Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, you see, these Gibeonites were Hivites, okay? These were the Hivites, the one we're talking about today. We're gonna see what the nature of the Hivite is. The nature of the Hivite here is, 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 first of all, deceptive. Why? Because there's something they want. Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make a covenant with you? And they said to Joshua, we are your servants. And Joshua said to them, who are you and where do you come from? And they said to him, from a very far country. Your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God. We have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt. And all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion of Heshbon and Og of Bashan who was at Ashtaroth. Therefore, our elders, now these are the, the, the Hivites, they're saying, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us and said, take provisions with you for the journey and go to meet them and say to them, we are your servants. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. Verse 12, this is what the Hivites said. Uh, this bread of ours, we took it hot for our provision from our houses on the day that we departed from you. But now look, it's dry and moldy. And these wineskins, which we filled were new and see, they are torn. And these, our garments and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. And the men of Israel took some of the provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. Are you still following me? Verse 15. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them and let them live and the rulers of the congregation swore to them. Then it happened at the end of three days, uh, you know, they had a little little, little three-day celebration, but at the end of three days, guess what? (laughs) It happened at the end of three days after they had made covenant with them 
that they heard that they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. You know, they, they were only about 20 miles away or so. Oh no. Can you see what has happened here? Here these Hivites have come into the camp and they've come into the camp for one reason. It's because they know that Joshua and the children of Israel are strengthened by God, have been sent by God to subdue them and to have dominion over them, just like Adam and Eve were placed in the garden in the perfect world to, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue and have dominion. And these Hivites have come into the camp like a sneaky snake, like this, like this subtle serpent, and they have deceived them into doing something that they should not have done. God said, make no covenant with the people. But sometimes we just don't vet our deceptions enough. Amen. We start to think and we think what we think is all there is to think. We think what we see is all there is to see. We think what we know is all there is to know. And we don't ask counsel of the Lord and boom, made a covenant. Well, you know, when they found out that these are actually Hivites and they just live right over there, they said, man, what is going on? What, what is this? Verse 22, then Joshua called them and said, spoke to them saying, why have you deceived us? Why did you say you were from a far country whenever you're just living right over the hill? Now you're cursed and none of you is going to be free from being slaves and woodcutters and, and water carriers for the house of God. You see, because the people wanted to go ahead and kill them. But Joshua said, no, we can't. We made a covenant with them. Even if they didn't keep their word, we still got to keep ours. Even if they're not nice, we got to be nice. But wait, that one, that, that, that's one of the hobbling that happens to us when we become Christians. Other people get mean and ugly and you got to forgive. Sometimes you think it'd just be a little bit nicer just to be one of those wicked people for about 10 minutes. Not we, we, but it's not. Why did you do this to us? Verse 24. So they answered and said to Joshua, because your servants were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Therefore, we were very much afraid of our lives because of you. And that's why we did this thing. It's your fault. It's your fault that we lied and cheated. Don't you understand? It's your fault that we deceived. It's your fault that we did this to you. Have you ever asked somebody, why did you do that? And they turn it around on you and say, it's, well, it's your fault. You caused me to feel that way. You caused me to think that. You're the one that caused this. Oh, wait, wait. That's that Hivite. Anyway, Joshua and the children of Israel said, the best we can do, we can't kill them. We got to let them live, but we're going to make them servants. They're going to be woodcutters and water carriers for the house of God. And they'll serve us the rest of the day. You know, Joshua and the children of Israel may have thought that the Hivites were going to serve them, but that's not how it turned out. Read the rest of the Bible. You will find out and even look today in the news when you get home. The children of Israel are the ones serving those Hivites. Because every time... 
that these Gibeonites, every time that these Hivites had any trouble with anybody or needed anything, they would call up Joshua or one of the judges or one of the kings or, you know, one of the prime ministers and say, we need, we need, and, and, and you promise to take care of us. You're the haves and we're the have-nots. And for the rest of history, Israel has been the servants of these because they made a covenant. Joshua and the children of Israel only fooled themselves into thinking that the Hivites would be slaves. The Hivites continued to deceive, continued to shift blame, continued to be selfish. You give them an itch, they want a mile. Try to take it away from them. You cannot be benevolent because once you are benevolent and take it away, you're only seen as being miserly. It's amazing what that spirit of the Hivite can get others to do for them. You see, the Hivite is a selfish, deceptive liar whose major concern is what they can get to make their life better. No wonder God wants us to make no covenant with the Hivite, no covenant with a selfish person. This type of selfishness of it's all about me this will consume your life. If, if you are tempted to be selfish, you will not only consume your life, you'll consume the lives of others. And you'll end up blaming others for your problems. You'll end up making it all about you, just like they did in front of Joshua. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me, you know. Uh, you know uh, it, 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 it's your fault I did this. It's your fault. It's your fault. Selfish people consume lives and they imagine that what's best for them is what's best for everyone. And if it wasn't for, for you, they wouldn't be in this situation. That's exactly what Adam said to God. When God said, Adam, why did you do this? Look what he said. Adam said, it was the woman you gave me. The Hivite. It was the woman you gave me. That's the high bite. Shifting the blame, not taking responsibility, feeling as though that, it, look, look, this problem wouldn't have happened if you had not been so strong, we wouldn't have come over here and lie to you. Doesn't this sound good? Y'all having a good time yet? You see, the high bite sees everything from their single selfish perspective. And I know None of you are that. We're talking about, uh, you know, like I said, those three or four people live way out in Hardin County somewhere, okay? <laughs> I just want you to know in case you run across them, okay? There is a spiritual force in this world that wants to make you selfish. It wants to make you want a better life and want something so much that you're willing to step outside of the will of God, outside of the word of God, that you're willing to disregard the way of God or ignore it or not take counsel or not pray and just go ahead and say, well, that's what I want. And, that's, and it looks good and I desire it and it'll, and it'll make me smarter. It'll make me richer. It'll make me wiser. It'll make me happier. It'll make me, it'll me, 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 me. And shroom, and all of a sudden, you know, here you have fallen prey to the temptation of this Hivite. The nature of the Hivite is to tempt us, to make life all about us. It can be a blindness or it can be a real deceiving spirit that keeps the person from seeing the impact that it's, it's made on other people. You know, if Eve could have seen the impact that she made, I think she perhaps 
wouldn't have done it, hopefully. But many times, just looking at how it affects us, what is best for you may not be best. This is good stuff. Where else can you go and get this for only a quarter? Okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay. The Hivite is very in tune with how they feel and what they want and what they need. This, uh, this uh, you know, and, and, and by the way, it doesn't have to be a bad heart to be a bad habit. Okay? You don't have to be wicked. You don't have to have a bad heart to have a bad habit. But if we have a habit of always just looking at things on how it infect, uh, impacts us and what we want, as opposed to what other people might want. Now, seeing that we're talking about the Hivite this morning, why in the world did I read about Adam and Eve? Well, you may have noted that, that when God introduced the female to the man, Adam called her woman. But after she was tempted and embraced the temptation and, and all the problems, everything, and God dealt with them and, and put them, you know, uh, putting them out of the garden now, that's when Adam turned to her and said, your name shall be Eve. Why? Eve is only mentioned four times in the Bible. Why? Well, you see, the word Hivite comes from the word Eve. Interesting, huh? Eve fell prey. The woman fell prey to this temptation to make her choice and to make her life and to make her family endure whatever she wanted. Not because she was a woman, but because she was tempted. And it's the first indication of someone being tempted. It could have been Adam. This temptation was to make a decision based upon what I want. And then to try to shift the blame and say it's somebody else's fault, not mine, that it, that it messed up. I was doing what was best. It got messed up somewhere else. You know, I'm right with God. I'm straight. I'm, 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 I'm perfect. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I mean, it's not me. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm godly. I, I mean, uh, if, it, if it's messed up, it's messed up somewhere else. When all the time it's not. How can I identify the voice of the Hivite when he speaks to me? Because he will. We all face these enemies. The Hivite will speak, okay? And he'll try to make you selfish or try to bring you under the thumb of someone else that's selfish. How can I identify the voice of the Hivite? Well, let me tell you a few things the Hivite says really quickly, okay? The Hivite will say, well, it's not really my fault when really it is. It could be a shared blame, but there's some fault there. The Hivite will, because from my perspective, I was just doing what was best. I have a reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. I have a reason. Yes, I did that, but I have a reason. Okay. Well, if it's best, you know, I, why are you mad at me? Have you ever, you know, how can you charge me with that? Can't you see? This is about me. It would just be better for me. All of these things. Surely you're not going to use that against me. I can't believe you would do this to me. Joshua, we can't believe you would. Joshua, here's what they told Joshua. You can read it. Joshua, you need to do to us what, what, what is right. Well, hold on. You should have done to me what was right first. But you're right. I have to do what is right for you because I have a covenant with you and my word makes a difference to me and your word may not make a difference to you. But you know, whenever, 
And then we just end up. The voices of that Hivite, they can get so confusing because they keep coming back to that selfish perspective. And it's going to hurt me if you do this. But it's going to hurt me if you do this. But it's wrong for you to do this to me. The voice, if you start hearing those, especially if you're hearing those coming out your mouth. Okay? Let, me, let me just say it one more time with a smile on my face. It's not all about you. Okay? And you ought to have the freedom to say that to yourself. You know, I love you, but it wasn't about you. Sorry. What you're going through, may be, it may affect you, it may ill affect you, and you may need to do something about it, but don't take it so personal that you feel like you're that hen and the sky's falling and woe is me and, you know, I mean, it's all on me and, it's, and, and then just make it all about, it might be about something bigger. What can I do to, to defeat this enemy? I'll give you three things really quickly to do to defeat this enemy. And I'll encourage you to go online to easysermons.com or onto our church app and download these notes on our Church on the Rock app because there are the, the, these three things are, are, are supported by so many scriptures. I won't be able to get to all the scriptures. But what can I do to defeat this enemy? Number one, don't make covenant with a selfish person. Okay? If you're on this side of a covenant with a selfish person, don't. That's the best advice I can give you. That's what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Don't be unevenly yoked together. Why? It's not that God's going to hate you. It's not that God's not going to help you. It's not that God's not for you. He's just trying to save you some problems in life. Because if you get yoked together and make covenant in business, in friendship relationships, in, in, uh, in marriage, if you get yoked together with a selfish person, you're going to spend your life serving them, not them serving you. And it is going to consume your life. It'll consume your energy and your time and your joy. And it'll always, always, always be all about them. And that may not be what God wants for your life. Don't make a covenant with a selfish person. Okay. You might say, well, those highbites are so deceptive. Yes, they are. Selfishness can be very deceptive, okay? That spirit of blaming can be very, so that they can get close without you noticing it. They'll come right into the garden. They'll come right into Gilgal, right into the camp. How can I know? Give it a year before you make a covenant. Give it some time. Don't just give it three days. Boy, that's some good advice right there for all of you who are not yet engaged, okay? <laughs> Give it some time. Because truly, once you make a covenant in business, in marriage, in friendship, in about three days, you'll find out if they're highbites or not. And they'll find out about you. This is good stuff. Give it some time. Give it a year. You'll know, okay? Number two, defeat every temptation with the word of God. That's what Jesus did. When the Hivite, that devil, when that Hivite came to Jesus in Luke chapter four, in the wilderness, Jesus had not eaten for 40 days and that spirit tempted him. The devil tempted Jesus to become selfish. 
The devil tempted Jesus to blame God for his problems. The devil tempted Jesus and said, look, you see that stone? Just turn that stone into bread. I know you're hungry. You can do it. You can do it. Come on now. You want to be king? You can be king of everything. All you got to do is bow a little bit. All you got to do is compromise. All you got to do is just, you know, just, just give me a little bit of credit here. And Jesus backed up and he took the word of God and he said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. I'm going to live by the word of God. You take the word of God to defeat those selfish inclinations, those selfish temptations, those temptations to blame others. You take the word of God and say, no, I'm not going to do that. That's some good stuff. Either that or just stay selfish the rest of your life. Don't blame others for stuff you need to change. Number three, accept responsibility for the problems that you cause. That's what David did in Psalms 51. David showed us how to recover from a fall, from a temptation. He accepted responsibility. David said, against you and you only have I sinned. Oh God, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Oh God, do not, Lord, uh, just, just, Please restore to me the joy of my salvation. I believe that if Adam had stood up in the garden and not blamed the woman and not blamed God, and if, if Eve hadn't blamed the devil, I believe if Adam had stood up and said, God, yes, I did it, and I sinned against you. Do not take this garden from me. I think God would have said, whoa, all right. Cleanse us now, God. Lord, do not take your, your presence from me, God. But he didn't. All Adam can say is, I didn't do it. Wasn't me. Wasn't my fault. Whew. If David had kept saying that, David would have ended up some other place. Is this making any sense? Okay. All right. Well, you got the picture. The high bite. The high bite wants to tempt us. Okay. Just say no. Okay. Watch your covenants. Give things a little time. Okay? Just give them some prayer. Joshua made covenant with them without even praying. Don't do that. Give it a little time. Accept your responsibility and say no to being selfish.